theme song for the Gear Podcaster. Welcome to the Gear Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Troy Nababan. I'm Leon Todd, or also known on this podcast as Uncle Leon. Troy, how's your week, mate? You're no. back playing at the Dockers again. They didn't do too well. Let's um, let's not talk about that, hey. But yeah, I was up there on the uh, on the stadium. It was uh, the Anzac Day tribute too, so that was cool. Um, the Len Hall game. Um, had to play a little bit of. Oh, you probably don't d- don't know this actually. I didn't, I didn't tell you. I had to start the gig with. Um, I was only nineteen. I really? Play, yeah, I'd like just play the the little riffy part, um, and then that transitioned into Wheel Rocky. So that was quite gotcha. Oh, that's it, a nice little touch, isn't it? But then, um, did you watch the start of the game? Like the start start of the game at all? I. Oh, I you just, were gigging. I was gigging, but I watched. You know, on Ko they have the minis, so you know. Bit of bit of Rory Lob. Yeah. Getting, well, that was funny in. because I started like I, I I sorry I did my bit, uh, did the We Were Rocky thing, uh, finished the song, and then I have like the big. I just got to ring out because but, but when I finish, there's like an undetermined amount of time between when they bounce the ball and that's when the game like properly starts. And it could be like three seconds or it could be twenty seconds. And I'm just kind of like, oh fuck, just like play, strum the guitar a bunch and make a bit of noise. And anyway, they um. They were taking a long time, and I was kind of like, "Oh man, this is." I'm always just looking in the field, like the bounce. That's when I'll stop. And all of a sudden, it's like taking ages, ages, and then like Rory Lobb gets bam, like, like just flattened. Um, I was like, "Oh, what's going on?" And then a little scuffle happens, and it's just like, "Oh, should better keep playing." No, 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 no. So that was pretty funny. Just providing uh, the soundtrack to violence. Yeah, the soundtrack to violence. I love that. So, um, but that, that was okay. What about you, Uncle Leon? You did a couple of giggies this weekend. Couple of gigs, yeah. Had had the regular Friday. That was actually lovely because the week before the weather was miserable and we pretty much got rained out. And then this week was absolutely paradise. And then Saturday night, I did a gig playing guitar for Jada, Jada Diagostino. So that was pretty fun. At, uh, seasonal Brewing Company in Maylands, oh, which yeah. I've never been to. A uh, tiny little room. It's basically a tin shed. But got to hand it to the sound guy. I think Brody was who I met them one really really nice person two was nailing the sound in there under absolute uh against all odds basically nice and, uh yeah it, it actually sounded really really good and uh one of the opening bands uh what were they called they were called tarot so they were just ac zeppelin and they were all 18 19 20 uh and they were really good i really really liked it the singer was basically like you know he was kind of doing the Bon Scott look that was doing the like super high Greta Van Fleet, you know, trying to be Robert Plant thing, um, but doing it pretty well. And they did some kind of like blues and the rhythm section was really good. And the guitar players had really cool sounds. And uh, I just sort of, they, the two guitar players, we, I played, you know, we did the last thing and um, they both sort of came up and they were both like, man, is that a 70 Strat? Like, and cause I played, my 70 strat and then i took that les paul artist that i've got and they were like what les paul is that and i was like you can if you can solve the riddle you know you can have it. it and one of them just went is that a les paul artist so yeah they were um they're really across it like that that's cool they had their sounds worked out and um one guy i said i was saying to him i was like oh you, it sounds like you're doing the uh like scott holiday rival sons thing with like the different fuzzes and he sort of flipped out. I was like, oh my god they're my favorite band and uh, i was like by the way what is that and he was like bro tone bender like that's all you need oh to yep uh and i was like there you go that's perfect and it turns out that uh yeah the 
Riley, the guitar player, uh, Cam used to teach him drums many years ago. There you go. And then he, but saw, he the saw the light. light switch to guitar. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that was a that was a pretty fun gig. Uh, had a had a had a good time at that. And um, Jade is great because you know she has so many friends and family who come out and. They get super into it, and the band was really, really good. And yep. yeah, it was Sweet. a. And I just vegetated on Sunday. Uh, got what? What new gear arrived over the last couple of days? Ah, oh, I showed you the other Crowder thing, which yep. I've done a video for. Should be out in the next week, but we can talk about that at a later time because this is the segue, Troy. It's coming on. That was something that I expected to be really cool, and it was. But you know, you suggested maybe this week we should talk about pieces of gear we expected to be awesome that were actually kind of not awesome, like gear disappointments. Yeah, I, I think gear disappointments, and um, I've, I've had a lot of them. I've bought a lot of gear over the years that I thought would change my life, change my playing, and then um, after having them for approximately like 10 minutes, I'm just kind of left a bit bewildered as to what I'm supposed to do and why I've just wasted several hundred dollars. The um, absolute first one that came to mind when discussing this, I think this is the best jumping off point uh, that I that we can come up with. Was a uh, little piece of gear by a little brand called Carvin and a little unit called the Quad X. A uh, mighty <laughs> all the tubes Quad X. Uh, it's, it's a piece of gear I've done a demo video with. Uh, Do you still have it? Uh, it has shuffled on. Yeah. To other locales, but. Yeah. So let's talk. Let, let's just talk a little bit about this. And a long what, time ago, hey. The what? Sorry. You owned one a long time ago, hey. I bought one in twenty. I want to say twenty eighteen. It was either no, sorry, not eighteen. Uh, two thousand and eight. Wow. It was either okay. two thousand seven or two thousand and eight. But I think it was two thousand and eight. Um. So yeah, it was. It's been a been a minute, and I had it for about twelve months, and then I uh, shipped it on as well. So. so we should- Explain for the people at home what it is, rather and also than- what it is to us as well, because uh, I've got a very distinct memory of how this piece of gear came into my brain. So, uh, do you want to just describe what it is, really quick? So, it's a guitar preamp. I think early nineties. I want to say ninety two, mm-hmm. and manufactured by Carbon. And I mean, it's kind of infamous for having a ridiculous number of preamp tubes in it. So, it kind of looks a little bit like a boogie style layout where there's multiple channels, there's a lot of knobs, there's a lot of effects loops and graphic EQ is on the back. There's a graphic EQ. Uh, there's, you know, like speaker emulated outputs on it. There's or probably recording emulated outputs, they would have called it. So there's a lot of different things going on. And on paper, it looks like it should be the most amazing thing ever because again, loads of tubes, loads of cascading gain stages, different EQ options, like this should be super versatile. I think there's, uh, I want to say at least nine tubes in it. Pre-app I think tubes. it's nine, oh, yeah, nine. Two rack space unit. And, you know, again, it's it's got that early 90s. I think for me, it's sort of like it's got, there's a little bit of an uncanny valley thing with the way it looks where it sort of looks like a boogie if you squint or, you, you know, you take your glasses off. But then you get up close and you're like, ah, okay, this is interesting. But on paper, it looks like it should just be the most amazing thing ever. And in 2008, what did we have? We couldn't go on YouTube and watch detailed videos about these things. We just had to read about them. And let's just pause there for a second on it because let me jump in because um, I said, I remember this unit. Um, We must have been playing together together at the time. And so I was all about ADA MP1s, my 
that's all I cared about in the world, rack gear. And then you had one as well, which is probably how we became friends. And, while, we're here, uh, mate. while we're here still, whatever that is, 15, 16 years later. Um, but I remember you came and you showed me, or you sent me a link. You're like, man, check this out. This is like the greatest thing of all time. It's got like- oh, I'm to blame is what you say. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was, yeah, three channels or whatever. Um, but the cool thing about it too, because, you know, it's all analog. But it, one thing about the ADA that sort of sucks is that it's all like the touch buttons, which is not that bad. It just takes a bit of like, you know, um, getting used to like changing the dials on it. Whereas the carbon is like all actual knobs on it. So that's really cool. But it's also MIDI controllable. So that's awesome. And it also has multiple effects loops. So that there was the f multiple effects loops thing for me. Like I think I was running a noise gate. I think it was like at the time of Rocktron Hush. So I was yep. running that in the effects loop in my ADA MP1 because it was super noisy. But then I didn't like having that on the clean channel. And then I still had a few noise issues. It was just like, there was just a lot of noise in the rack because I didn't know how to build the rack, you know. But anyway, this thing came up, uh, you know, you found it. You found it like an old ma magazine, like picture. And was like, man, it's so rare. It's, just, it's the coolest thing. And I think the reaction to it was, it's so rare. Um, it must be so good. Like, yeah, of not, it, not it's so rare because it <laughs> of the way it sounded and no one ever wanted one. But I, I found one on eBay and I think it was about $400. Um, and around the same time when I bought mine, again, this is like 2007, 2008, um, which I usually have a much better idea of one that, when these things happen, but I'm sort of blanking on it a little bit. But I bought that and I, I also bought a carbon tube power amp, the T... T100 or TS100? TS100, the like kind of uh, chrome-plated- yeah, chrome, chrome mirror finish front thing. They were thing. pretty popular at the time, I remember, because it was sort of maybe the only rack power amp with tubes in production at the time. Yeah, you couldn't find much. Like there was, um, you might get like the PV, I think it was a classic 50, like sort of, you know, uh, stereo power amp. The mess of boogies were around, but they were really expensive, but the carbon yeah, was like, that's right. by comparison, sort of affordable. So, you know, maybe the VHT- stuff if you had infinite dollars and could ship one over here yeah so that was just yeah just out of the question for what i had budget wise but in the same like i reckon it was even in the same week the carbon quad x and the carbon ts 100 came up and they were like affordable uh, and it was on ebay at the time because i was buying a lot of stuff on ebay so yeah i picked them both up they both arrived i plugged them in and i had this massive double i've probably got a picture of it somewhere still like two racks probably uh, like fifth or uh, sixteen uh, spaces total, and um, I just thought I was the king shit. Um, and then I played with the thing, and I don't know, man. You owned one, and you had one a lot uh, more recently than I did, but I never got a sound out of it that was like usable. Oh, the clean sound was okay, I'll say that, but I never got another sound out of it that I thought was usable out of the dirty channels. Yeah, I. <sighs> Uh, it's such a great example of on paper versus actual experience where, you know, I've got a Boogie Studio preamp, which yep. kind of does some similar stuff, you know. It was in, those things were basically designed for the time to be a solution to, you know, the idea of like you need a good clean and dirty sound in a rack doing a session. So loads of people use them, um, similar to, I guess, the Soldano X88 and the CAE stuff. You know, they existed for a very specific reason, and those units were talking mid to late 80s. And the studio preamp, you know, it's essentially just a, 
it's like the missing link between the Mark II C and the initial Mark III. So it mm -hmm. sort of like sits in, kind of has a little foot in both worlds. Very easy to use, a knob for every function, a button to change channels. Uh, you can turn the fat switch on and off and maybe a bright switch. I should look because it's mm -hmm. right there. Bright, fat, and then lead. And yeah, and you can foot switch it and there's a bright switch. So it's, it's pretty it's easy. my yearbook. Bright, fat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, my report cards. Go on. Ball with a ball, mate. Yeah. That's, a, uh, that's true, yeah. You've got to put that on your CV as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My, my we LinkedIn. Should, maybe we should try and find that photo uh, for <laughs> the actual gear podcast profile. Let's not do that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's out there, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah. Anyway, the Studio preamp is amazing. It's a great sounding preamp. It's in my list of favorite guitar preamps ever. Uh, and... You know, the Quad X tries, but it just kind of doesn't nail any of the things it's set out to do. It's a little bit confusing the way some things are laid out. There's something called a cloaking. Yeah, that's right. One there, which you'd think it'd be, oh, it's a noise gate. No, it's some other thing. Uh, the clean sounds are fine, but they fall into that nowhere zone between being really sparkly and, you know, fendery and being like kind of compressed and yeah you know, they're just it's just a bit nowhere and the gain like the way the gain is staged there's it's kind of just I, I thought it was like really tubby sounding yeah to me it sounds like it's lacking some filtering in between yep. the gain stages and things like that and then the graphic eq the center points for the graphic eq side is a really strange for guitar yeah like they don't make sense uh to me whereas on the boogie they make perfect sense like there's one at 2.2k there's one at 6k there's one at 800 hertz 240 like kind of critical yep. frequency maybe they're critical because they're on the boogie and you want them there um there mm -hmm. is someone on my discord who's a massive rack collector and i actually bought some bought some gear off them uh recently and they love the quad x okay um, they they reckon it's the bee's knees and uh that was not my experience with it at all like it looks like it should be great it looks like it should be a kind of studio preamp style thing and i just really 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 struggled to get something that i liked out of it uh, it was just a bit nowhere that's the best way to describe it well look so do you know the, the other of these things the thing that we didn't like you or i never try with our units which, which is a possibility is it may just need new tubes in it or you need a yep. service but when you got nine tubes like that's such an expensive outlay to even just <laughs> test that out like yeah i, I mean, found rolling preamp tubes as well is pretty marginal um you know i mean like there could a, be a dead one like it not not that it's like good or like different types but just like maybe there was a busted tube in it out of one yeah. of nine but that's a possibility but i sort of doubt it it, do, it doesn't really um feel like it would be like that but anyway yeah it just you know i think i think given the level of complexity with it you don't get the payoff of like, oh, wow, it's super versatile. It's just kind of super complex and it's got a few sounds yep. um, rather than being the be-all and end-all of preamp. So I think, yeah, the Quad X is right near the top of the list. Just um, quickly on that, like the way that I really wanted to run that, and yeah, this was uh, this was back in the day. So because, you know, in, in my opinion, and still in my opinion, racks are so cool because the idea that you can have like all of your sounds – and it's on one button and you're not tap dancing with pedals. Exactly. Like, to have things control via MIDI and all that, it's really clever and really useful. Um, so what I wanted to do was 
and I spent a long time trying to work on this at the time, a lot of like diagrams, but I wanted to be able to use the clean channel of the carbon and the dirty channels from the ADA MP1 because I just didn't, I never really got a clean sound out of my ADAs that I liked, which also speaks to what I thought was a clean sound yeah, yeah, like yeah. 15 years ago. Because there's another piece of gear I'll talk about later, um, which in uh, retrospect, I was the problem. The gear wasn't the problem. But I, I think this is a good example where it's like, you know, the carbon, I, I got a clean out of it that I was cool with, dirty sound out of the ADAs, but I couldn't work out a way of integrating the two pieces of gear together so that I could say, like, plug my guitar into something and then run the effects loops in a way that yep. would allow me to switch between the thing, all, all the gear, um, which was one really just funny thing when the synergy came out because that's exactly what I wanted to be able to do um, again 15 years ago with all these old rack uh, rack, rack pieces and I just couldn't do it or at least I couldn't do it maybe someone else could if they knew what they were doing but yeah it's just kind of funny how um, it's all developed like that um, yeah exactly yeah, you know again solution to a problem they did it they nailed it Stephen Fryett again massive kudos uh Stephen Freyett is kind of like the spirit animal. Did he do that bit? He might not have. I thought he just did the power amp section. I don't want to give him. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, he, I think um, I think Synergy is a lot of people. Um, okay. I think that's what they did. That It's like, because right, I mean, right, even right. The, the Synergy, the main part is Bruce Egnator, right? Like the main, that right, part. Right, right, right. The switching part. Fancy. They're both kind of awesome. Yeah, they're all like, it's a bunch of smart people doing a bunch of smart stuff. So, um, did me did like just sneak in another little um, cheeky Synergy, um, you know, blowy just then, but- Unfortunately, it comes up quite a bit because it's cool company and cool gear. Because we like rack gear and it's rack gear that works good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the funny thing is now, I, Sorry, just, to, just to finish off, it's like I say, oh, it'd be amazing to have a piece of rack gear that hell you sounds in it and change with mini. It's like, well, that's basically your fractal and that's, <laughs> or that's any piece of gear now. That's your Line 6 Helix or your Kemper or whatever. Um, so it's it's here. It's pretty easy. So, yep, it, it does the trick. I'm going to go way back and tie something into last week's podcast because mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about the history of digital modeling. Uh, and <laughs> I'm going to say the Line 6 tone port because when I was 13, 14, however old I was when I got that, the idea of having a box that you can just plug your guitar into, it connects to your computer and you get guitar sounds into the computer. I mean, we take that for granted now, right? You know, it's just like, to buy a Focusrite Scarlet for fifty dollars on Gumtree, and it and it works. Yep. Um, this is probably a case where my computer specs weren't up to snuff with it, but that was uh, it was actually something I got for Christmas. So I was super excited. So this ties into, you know, and uh, yeah, I remember plugging it in and didn't really sound good, and it was super noisy, and it was glitchy, and it would continuously crash, and you know, it was the first thing of its kind. Uh, but that was sort of like up there with getting a toy without the batteries for Christmas. I remember being disappointed by that. Looking back, almost definitely me, uh, <laughs> not definitely the other gear there, but that's sort of a, an early formative experience of, you know, it's more about I was super excited and in my head I knew exactly what I was going to do with it and then I wasn't able to do that, so I was kind of salty about it. Yeah, fair enough. Put you off line six for a period of time. But I, I mean, mean, like... That's um, like that area of uh, sorry, that era of digital technology was was pretty not impressive. Um, and trying to can trying to connect that to your computer where you'd have issues with latency, issues with oh, conversion. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of 
the fact that anything happened at all to make like even put it on the market is kind of with hindsight is kind of surprising. So good on them for trying, but yeah, I never. I remember, like same as you, I saw them in the guitar magazines and wish I could pick one up. And yeah, <laughs> didn't ever really. Uh, well, I was never able to afford it. But then, I don't know. You see, when you see them disappear over after a couple of years, it's like maybe this just doesn't have the staying power. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what about what about you? Is there like an an amp or a pedal or something like that that you've you've bought? Yeah, it's just kind of. You know, super niche. So, what about something a little more in the mainstream and recognizable? All right. Well, there's. I know there's a lot of pedals um, that, and I'll say this again. It's like it doesn't really do it for me. I'll bring up two pedals that they have such good reputations, but I just can't get them to work for me. Um, and probably the, the first one I'll mention is just I don't really think I can get a sound out of a rat pedal that I like. Okay, I'm I'm kind of with you there. Um, so I, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but like I just I try like I've tried so many times, and I've um and I've tried it with different amps. I've tried it in front of clean amps. I've tried it in front of dirty amps. But the character of distortion is just not really what I like, and I can I can almost say that's the case with a lot of like just like pure distortion pedals, not overdrive pedals, but like something that says distortion on it. Just the um the fizziness and I don't know like for me the rat it has this like plasticiness about it that I can never really gel with and it's sort of like maybe it's the way that I attack the guitar because I do get a similar sound in some other amps and um and you know through through other pedals but maybe it's emphasized with that pedal uh, I'm not really not really sure but yeah I just can't really get it to work the um if I try and run it like full out with gain it's too busy if I try and back it off a little bit, just doesn't seem saturated enough. I just can never find that balance. And this and the filter as well. Like, you know, the more you turn it up, the duller it gets, and that's cool. But it's like I just can't get that spot ever to work for me. Yeah, it's you can't really, find the spot on it. Yeah, it's really weird. But like, what's your experience with the rats? Pretty similar. I mean, you know, rat into a kind of dirty marshal is I've heard lots of people use that sound. Old Nuno, that's the sound, you know, yep. uses a rat pedal. So uh, curious to know how he uses it. Uh, that was kind of my, you know, I'd stayed away from it for a long time. And then I've played a few like r things that are meant to be based on a rat that don't actually really sound like them. Mm -hmm. But then uh, Crazy Tube Circuits came out with a pedal recently called the Motherload where it can be a rat or a big muff, but then there's a button which lets you share the tone stacks between them. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool because I really like the big muff thing in front of a dirty amp it's like instant instant doom um and you know we've used that sound a lot recording stuff as a like a layering yep. thickening agent uh as your kind of main sound yeah it's it's cool if you want to sound like sleep or something like that um but i you know we really like it as you have your doubled guitar sounds and maybe you kind of chuck a few octaves in there or something with a really dirty big muff if you take the rat style distortion but the muff tone stack that's a really cool variation on that so yep. yeah I, I really like that pedal because you can do you know the kind of rat clipping circuit but you can have the big muff tone stack and the filter control on there as well so you sort of set up your muff to be pretty harsh and then you just nudge it back so yeah yeah it's that's cool i feel like i can wrap my head around it another one i mean the um uh what is it the dod 250 that's oh, yeah. another type of 
distortion pedal that people really, really like that. I mean, my only association with it is Ingve, and it's yeah, right. been using it as a boost in front of Marshalls. And it's like, if you go Strat, <laughs> I've got the YJM 308, mm-hmm. uh, and then into like a, you know, just our Marshall is, it's a bit of a thing. Like it's, it just smears everything out. And, uh, you know, Ingve's got really low output pickups. Mm. So, so it kind of needs kind of, that little boost. Yeah, it kind of needs that extra little pick. So, and in his case, it's probably like the reason he uses 50 watt Marshalls, like they were cheap and available. So, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a circuit I've never really uh, had the requisite context in front of me to have to understand. Yeah. Well, like, so I've, um, I've got, uh, I tr- actually traded an empty uh, cabinet. Uh, like I think it was a two by twelve cabinet, like originally like maybe a base cabinet, and I never put speakers in it. Uh, I just got it for free. I traded it to someone pretty much at the start of COVID, um, <laughs> just by coincidence, um, for this rat pedal. So it's like a uh, whatever it is, like a newish sort of rat. I've got yeah, that. Right. Um, I had Ryan's rat for for a yeah. while, which actually he, if he ever needs that back, he got stolen out of my car like ten years ago, or twelve years ago. Remember that. Yeah, like Ryan had this rat pedal, um, and it was like an older one, and it just, yeah, on my pedal board. Pedal board got stolen in my car with a bunch of other stuff. See you later. Um, and at that time, I didn't really. I was like, it was okay, but didn't really love it. But then I had Johnny C. Aniki Audio build me this um, dual pedal, so it was a rat on one side and an OCD on the other, and the rat had a few mods done to it as well. So that was that was really cool. But I just always preferred the OCD side like that to me was more of the distortion sound that I like or the overdrive sound so yeah it's just um it's never really happened for me I I do bring it out as well in sessions like I'll, tr- I'll run that in front of amps to like uh, well you know a few different types of amps and cabinets and try and get a sound but it just doesn't I don't know for what I like it is not the one so yeah, there's so many, like, as I mentioned this the other week, like, I watched that big, long JHS video where he talks about the history of the rats, and he's playing all these different variations and stuff, and it's, like, the way he uses it is cool, and the way a lot of people use it is cool, just will never be for me, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a bit like the MXR Distortion Plus. I know they're yep. kind of similar. I think the DoD 250 and the Distortion Plus are really similar, but, you know, growing up, Randy Rhodes used yep. the Distortion Plus, obviously... I'm going to love this pedal. Uh, it's not for me. You know, yeah. like it's a, it's a really interesting sound running it into a Marshall and, you know, kind of makes sense when you listen, especially to like the live tribute album, which I really like Randy's sound on that. I'm not as big a fan as uh, the recorded stuff, but uh, yeah, it's something that you think is going to be awesome. And then you try it and you're like, oh, that's, that's it. Yeah. Um, and I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll add one more pedal like different sort of pedal, but I'll put it in the same category because, you know, there's a lot of pedals, there's a lot of pieces of gear that sort of fall into this for me um, where someone I really admire uses it and I have to go out and get it and try it out because that's the missing link of why my guitar sound isn't yeah, right. all it could be. And so um, the BB Pre, um, the right. exotic BB okay. Pre. That's a universally beloved thing, right? Yeah, I had one in 2011 um, and I had it for about six months and I remember getting it and thinking like, great, I I'm, I'd started to play, like I'd sort of moved away from the rack stuff as well and I started to play a few more amps and stuff and yeah, just 
finally, this is the thing because Andy Timmons loves this pedal. Ah, uh, there you go. And, yep. uh, and I think Paul Gilbert was using like all of those pedals as well. So it, it was just sort of like so popular. And then um, got it, plugged it in like, yeah, here it comes, everybody. I'm, I'm about to be the best guitar player in the world. And yeah, it just didn't. I was just like, oh, okay. It's <laughs> it's just a bit whatever. You know, it didn't sound terrible. It just didn't sound like it was just a fucking like overdrive pedal. That's yeah, the thing. He, he's using it to like add just a little bit to an already existing pretty great sound. Yeah. you Like I just didn't know what it was supposed to do. Like that was, and I think to, to roll right back, it's it's operator error. And now, because I have the RC boost and I've, I've had yeah, that right. now for, I think I actually got that last Easter. So I've had it for about 12 months and that thing's awesome. Um, and they like, you know, same family of pedals, I guess, a little bit different. I think it's the amount of gain in it is a little bit different. But I found ways to use the RC boost that I love, like love, love, love. Like in, in front of your deluxe, it sounds fucking awesome. As a boost, it sounds awesome. To have the um, the two EQs on it as well, you can yep. get a little bit more versatile with it. But it's also like the style of music that I play now or the, the style of guitar sounds that I, I like playing through is so different that I can make it work for me. So, yeah, the BB Pre, I, at the time, I thought it was this, like, this is my search is over. I, I've, I've got this pedal and that's it. Like, I don't need anything else because I finally got this style of boost. And it was just, like, okay. And but That was uh, also sort of the era of, like, peak boutique where you'd read about uh, Analog Man or Exotic or, you know, any of these kind of brands, um, like Keely. Yep. You know, it, it was so hard to find. You couldn't really just go out and try it at a music store. So you'd read some forum posts about someone who's like, oh, you know what? I, I use this one thing. That's the reason I bought a Keeley compressor, which is a great pedal and I really liked. But, you know, I read that someone used it. I don't know what sort of style of music they play, but I was like, okay, I'm going to use that as a boost and used it for a while. That was really cool. But, um, yeah, it was purely based on just some dude on a forum saying, yeah, this this is great. And lots of other people kind of parroting that, which you still get. There's still that effect out there with gear. I think now you can just listen to clips really easily and be like, oh, mm, no, actually, that really doesn't sound like it's for me. So, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I'm trying to think of uh, specific pedals that I've had where I thought I would absolutely love it and use it all the time, but I just didn't. And I'm trying to think of like pedal boards. I think I was like that with chorus pedals for a long time. Like, oh, yeah got to have a got to have a chorus pedal and just didn't work out for yep. me you know Do but you know what man I, I love playing around with chorus pedals at home yeah and i love chorus on clean sounds for that thing but uh yeah i, I thought you know yeah i'll i'll have a chorus pedal on my board and it was like i would just never turn it on at gigs yep i actually like chorus now so much more than i ever have I never saw a purpose for it. Yeah, I thought it would right. be so useful. I remember uh, when I first started doing the cover gigs, because um, I just had a C, or I still got it, a CE2. That was my dad's. And so, popped that on the board. I had a few other pedals, which I also never really used, because I'm, I'm very basic for the most part with guitar sounds, like clean and dirty, and that's it. Um, and I put the chorus on, I'm like, oh, that sounds weird. It sounds really dated, and then just turn it off. <laughs> but with some of the clean sounds that I, I do now, um, it's it really does add that dimension, like on a clean, clean sound that I really I think is really necessary. 
just gives a little bit more texture to it. Where if like a straight up clean sound can be really, really boring. It's like time and place like anything else. But um, I've got it uh, programmed in the HX Stomp to come on uh, in, in a few of the guitar sounds. And I've found it like quite use usable, um, but it's taken a while to, to get used to it. Um, so, yeah. With Chorus, there's also the, you get the effect when you turn it on and you use it for a little bit. And when you turn it off, it's sort of like the lack of effect has impact as well. Yeah, that's in, that's really interesting to to say. Um, you, that's overlooked. <laughs> um, the the I mean the, the same thing goes for a lot of effects like that reverbs and delays as well. Like to go to, to stark guitar, it's pretty yeah. plain and boring, but yeah. But it works. It can really kind of work just in context. So yeah, that's pretty interesting. What about guitars? Uh, um. Yeah. Look, I, I feel like I've probably had a few more of these experiences over the years where I've convinced myself that. There's a particular thing that I need, and then I get it, and the honeymoon period is very, very fast. There's a there's a few probably a few examples and a few types of examples. Um, I think the, the I don't really sell guitars, so I've kept I, I've sold a couple. Like even in the last twelve months, I've sold a few. I sold a little uh, Gretsch that I picked up really cheap with a broken neck, and um, I got rid of that just because I wasn't really using it. So. Um, the re the regret guitars that I own, I still have um, okay. uh, most of them. Um, I'll I'll give you one that's probably a little controversial, um, but it was actually the first one that came to mind when I was thinking about this. Um, I'll never sell this guitar, but probably the Holy Grail guitar that I own, the most expensive guitar that I own, is probably the most least useful to me, and that's my Sir. Oh, shots fired! But yeah. also, I know what you mean. Yeah, so I mean, I got this guitar in 2012 when I was in America. Uh, I got a pretty good deal on it. It's Koa body, so it has a lot of sentimental value because it's. I, I picked it up when I was away, uh, and I was with my uh, partner. Was well, still in with my partner, but we were together um, on this holiday, and that was really awesome. It was like the guitar that, like a Sir guitar. Once I saw Red Beach played Sir, and I found out that that was a company that existed, I wanted one immediately. And that I was in like. Koa had to be oh like the fact it was koa this one was koa made it so much sweeter um it's a little different to reb's one but it's like it's awesome but it's got a floyd on it and i'm not a floyd guy and so i really should have seen the guitar tried it and been like well it's got a floyd on it this isn't just not going to be like useful to me but uh i at the time i mean like i had the guitar that i was gigging with was a warmer that i put together which was a really cool like super strat sort of thing or strat sort of thing. Um, this was sort of the next evolution of that. Um, when I played it in the shop, it did sound awesome and it does sound awesome and it plays really well. But, you know, it's the one guitar of all of them that I own that because I bought it brand new, I I don't want it to get damaged. If I buy a secondhand guitar and it gets like dings in it, scratches, whatever, I just don't give a shit. But this one, like I took a chip out of the back of it after having it for maybe a year and it's just it hurts me so much to know that this one <laughs> little gouge is taken out of it and um, what it does is it actually stops me from taking it to gigs because i don't want the guitar get to get damaged like stolen obviously i don't want it to get stolen but i don't want it to get damaged um but there's a couple of other things about the guitar that since i've had it really bother me um so firstly with a floyd um it's blocked now but i do so many gigs in different tunings where it's like you know, if I'm doing a session, it's probably going to be in E standard. 
if I do a gig with you, it might be in E flat. And if I do a gig with the normal uh, like band that I play with, it's in D standard. So it's like, certainly with a Floyd, you can't, unless you block it off, you can't really fucking deal with it. So it's really annoying. Um, I actually found that until it got blocked, there was a real lack of sustain in the guitar, which yeah, when I was in the shop trying, it didn't really matter because I was playing, I was just, you know, doing a lot more shreddy stuff. So it was fine. But if you try and ring out a chord, it just kind of fades off a little quick. So that's a bit of a bummer. And then the probably the most annoying thing about the guitar, which again, you don't know it till you're at a gig, but it's a roasted maple fretboard with black fret markers on it. Uh-huh. And yeah. in the most, in almost all situations, unless the stage is really bright, you can't see what fucking frets you're playing on. It just all blends into nothing. So I'm actually going to get it. I'll get Tim to put the fluoro. Um, the stuff. Yeah, because I know he'll do that, awesome. but um, I just haven't got around to doing that yet. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it honestly stops me from playing the guitar, like a couple of these things. I'm looking at it right now. It's sitting right, right it next up. to me. Hold oh, it yeah. up. You know, anyone who's watching this on YouTube can, there it is. It's a, it, and hey, I'll see if I can it. it's a phenomenal instrument. Like, look like, at the, yeah, you can sort of get it. It's a great guitar. It's beautiful. Like, it's, and it does sound really good and it does play really good. It was the first plecked guitar that I ever played. Um, and that's, I mean, now all my guitars get plecked because um, Tim's awesome. Uh, and we've got someone locally that can do it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it. I, I don't really find I use it so much. Um, it's, it's just a real shame, man. Like, do you find that you said to yourself, Ah, uh, it's got a Floyd, but that's cool. I'll just learn to love the Floyd because I want the guitar so bad. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I talk that, to myself. That's, that's exactly me with every every Floyd Rose equipped guitar I own. Um, and I finally learnt my lesson, and I can almost pretty much safely say I will never buy another guitar with a Floyd Rose again. Um, you know, I bought a Hamer Californian the first year I went to the states um, because, well, one, it was pretty cheap, and two. Uh, available and three it was sort of like oh i've always wanted one of these they look cool i like hamer stuff i like the super strats do you still and have that still, guitar yeah yeah i still have that guitar it's um it's up on the rack it's um yeah. i got tim to refret it and yep. it's it's an awesome super strat but again and it's blocked um but again just it's just the floyd thing for me doesn't doesn't really work yeah um, the one exception is i have a, a pv wolfgang with a floyd that's flush mounted oh yeah um, and i kind of like that that's a bit more of the vibe um you know uh, uh, it's the like the dual floating thing i don't know i never feel super comfortable with and me too uh, man like i've gigged with um like in the last 10 years uh 12 years i've gigged with my rg 550s <laughs> with the full-on 550 570 sort of thing um and that was just not the one for me like yeah just you know the, the fear of breaking a string is terrible um so i can't really deal with it and um i was gonna say i don't know there's solutions to these things but well i uh, meant people who swear by floyds and when i like you know i know a few people who they have guitars they need a floyd rose on their guitar that's yeah. kind of thing and it works for them and they get it and they put the work in to set them up and uh, it's just it's just not for me yeah, you know, I thought it would be for me because growing up, I loved, you know, guitar players that had Floyd Roses on their guitars. And uh, well, I yeah. just remember, man. Do you know what I did with the Sir um, while I was over there? I also picked up a Tremolo and a yep. Drop D tuner for yep. this for this guitar, and I uh, it's got gold got gold hardware on it, so I've had to get a gold um, Drop D tuner. So I ordered all that um, with yeah the intention of 
as soon as I get back home, I'll install the tremolo. noise. So I got the best of all worlds. But that thing just did not work for me. <laughs> um, the I found for starters, I almost always had it in the locked off mode. So no floating whatsoever. Because you can have it either fully floating or uh, detune only uh, right. or like completely off. But it just continually slipped when it was in the um, yeah, right. in the locked mode. So I ended up just removing that and putting, like Tim just blocked it off for me. And it's at least been usable in that uh, in that respect, but fuck, man, I just hate ch- changing strings on a floor. Yeah, it's yeah. such a pain in the ass. Um, and yeah, it, it's uh, it's a shame. I said I'll never sell this guitar because it's got so much sentimental sentimentality to me. But it's um, it just remains in the studio. I pick it up, like you know, like often, like not never, but uh, it's just sort of yeah not a not a gigging guitar and that's unfortunately where most of my money needs to go if i'm going to buy a guitar yeah yeah i think for me it's um you know i bought a hamer chaparral in 20, 2010 maybe uh and that was um yeah you know it had this wicked paint job on it like fighter pilot paint job and it was a hamer and it was a super strat and i got so psyched about it that i was gonna i was like this is it this is me this is gonna be my gigging guitar Yep. You know, look how cool it looks. And uh, again, just another one where it's a set neck and it's, you know, it's got all this cool stuff. It had the boomerang inlays on there, which I love. Um, hum single single. This is going to be so versatile. I did one of the worst gigs of my life on that guitar. Um, from a, the gig was bad and from the I sucked angle as well, where it was just really difficult to play. Um, was it when you strung it up really heavy or just... Like, no, it was it was like the setup was decent on it and like everything was fine on it. It was just playing it standing up did not work for me. Right. Um, where the knobs were and the Floyd and things like that. And uh, yeah, so that was a little bit of a kind of nightmare gig. Um, yeah, that that's probably the one where I was like, okay, I've got to. I got to stop doing this, and then I bought a Californian a few years later, anyway. So well, that, I, immediately like, blo- I immediately blocked that one. That was like a, I like these, and I'm going to collect it. But yeah, I think that's it for me with Floyd's. Um, well, man, like we've talked about this, but probably of all your guitars, I think the Hamers are the ones that are just the most disappointing when I play them. I, they yeah, always right. like the um the the double cut, not the the whole the semi hollow one, the other one, the ready looking sunburst, one. yeah, sunburst, like that one. It looks like it should be the coolest, best guitar, but it just never really hits the mark when I play it. <laughs> it's um, the okayest. Like, it's the okayest high-end guitar ever. Yeah. Because it is a high-end guitar, and it feels really good, and it sounds really good, but there's other guitars which just have more vibe. Yeah. Um, the the standard is a beast, and that's actually one that- The best Explorer? Yeah, I bought- That's a cool guitar. I like that one. I kind of liked it, and then I was off it for years and years, and- Kind of right at the start of COVID, sort of when things opened up back here, we did that. Um, uh, we did a show at Badlands here, and I used that, and that was like, oh my god, this guitar is amazing! I really, really liked it. I liked playing it live as well. So that was that was kind of cool to like rediscover a guitar. I think I've kind of written off, but yeah, I have sold a few Hamers over the years. The um, the Les Paul Special style one that I have, that's super vibey. That's cool. Yep. Um, and the artist has its own thing going on, but yeah, I think, I think it's like the Sir, like where it's objectively really good, but for the stuff that I, I like it, um, there's just stuff that I have that I like a whole lot more. 
Yeah, that's that's completely it, man. I mean, I probably recently, like my uh, Chavel, my, uh, you know, what is it? The SoCal? Yeah, it's, yeah so, is it a SoCal? Yeah. Or is it San Dimas? I always forget which one's which. Anyway, it doesn't have a Floyd on it. It doesn't have a pick guard on it, whichever one that is. It's, um, I was so close to selling it. Like I bought it only like say nine months ago, but immediately put heavy strings on it. And because I was playing, uh, like I was expecting to be playing it in D standard. And, um, the reason I got it actually was because I love the sound of, um, single coils in the like neck position. And I yeah. really don't like humbuckers in the neck position. <laughs> I love the sound of humbuckers in the bridge. I don't really like the sound of singles in the bridge. It's like, well, fucking just get that guitar. Like yeah, hum single, single, which is what the Sir is as well, unfortunately. Um, but it was sort of like I've been, had been playing strats a lot. So it was the neck felt in the shop. It felt really good. Um, it ticks so many boxes, but just in the process of dropping it down and not like doing any setup on it, it really fucked the guitar. And so I was so close to selling it. Like, as in I, I picked the guitar up having not played it for three months and just been like, this is fucked. Like, why did I waste all this money on this guitar? Got a second hand, so it, got, it was a little cheaper. But um, I went to take some photos and put it online to get rid of it. I thought, oh, fucking, I'll just tweak the truss rod a little bit and see if that helps. And it was, I'm not kidding, like an, an eighth of a turn. Night and day. And it was, yeah, it was night and day. And then I ended up like playing it for a bit. I was like, man, this guitar is actually really sick. This is what I wanted. And then I gave it to Tim and he did a, uh, he plecked it and it was like, it came back sounding awesome and feeling awesome, like even better. And now there's like, that's my number one gigging guitar. Well, sorry, actually that and my Jason Isbell Telly are the, the one and two. So I used yeah. the Isbell Telly for the duo gigs and I used the other one for all the rock stuff. And it's a really good sort that's of awesome. one-two punch. But that's, um, I was going to say in terms of Floyd's, um, I do really want to get like, a, a Floyd Charvel. Um, they released the just cause, <laughs> just cause. It's um, there's a like a spark, like silver sparkly one that they released at the end of last year, um, which I haven't seen any in shops. But it's kind of like the one guitar that I it suits my personality a lot and what I like. Uh, it had the Floyd on. I, I was actually going to buy one before I found the guitar that I ended up buying because it doesn't have a Floyd on it. Um, but and I was like, oh, well, this is actually probably a not a lot more usable, but. If I've if I happen to have the cash and the guitar happens upon me, then I may not be able to help myself. But uh, you know, you can never have too many guitars. Yeah. They just uh, oh, it's a shame. Like I, I've got a lot of Ibanez guitars that um, I, I love. I just love them because I think they look cool, like five fifty and five seventy. And I did. They were at the time Holy Grails, thinking that like when I finally got an an RG five fifty, that's all I wanted. Because you yeah. have the, you got the yellow one, I've got the yeah. red one, and um. They just, I think maple fretboards look so cool. And there was a period oh, of time. Some of the best looking guitars ever made. They're yeah, awesome. man. And like, you just didn't see the maple fretboards on that many guitars for a period yeah. of time there. There was all, all rosewood and stuff. So I think that they just look really cool. But yeah, I got the guitar and it actually sounds pretty cool, but it just needs a setup and I'm not yeah, really right. wanting to put that much money into it at the moment. There's, so. a, few other, there's a few other like pieces of gear that have filtered into my consciousness while we've been talking about this. Um, some, a few pedals actually. Um, one is the Boss OS2 Overdrive Distortion. Oh yeah. Um, 
which on paper, again, I was like, oh, this should be awesome because I love Boss Overdrives. I don't remember you- that one. Is that, a, is that a dual pedal? No, it's a single. It's just a little yellow Boss pedal, but it has like a blend control that takes you from overdrive to distortion. Okay. When, was, uh, when did you get that? Like what year was that? Uh, I like bought it off eBay a few years ago, did a demo with it and flipped it almost okay. immediately. You know, like got what I paid for it. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, it was just weird. Like the overdrive didn't sound great. Like the overdrive didn't sound like an SD one or an OD one, or it just was kind of its own thing. Yeah, wasn't awesome. And then the distortion was noisy and didn't sound like a DS. I thought it'd just be an SD one to DS one, and you can like park it somewhere in the middle and get a little bit of both. But yeah, that was a definitely a strange one. The other one, one of the most recent pieces of gear that I bought is the eighty eight pitch rack. Um, right, I bought it. Yeah, I was telling you, um, there's someone on my Discord uh, who is way into the rack stuff. They had one and uh, they sold it to me, uh, which was really, really cool. And it spent like six weeks in customs. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe it's one of these things where it's just never going to get released. But uh, yeah, it's it's just a non-even tied pitch shifter from, from that era, which means mm-hmm. it's kind of fine. It's not stereo, so it can't do stereo. Oh, anything. okay. Right. Which I just, I, I, hey... Operator error. I didn't look up anything on it. I just went, oh, you got that ADA for sale? I'll take it because it'll look cool in the rack. Uh, I think I need to fix the input knob as well because it's either all off or all on. Um, okay. Having said that, there are a few things in it which are like, it's so bad, it's good. Like you can over really overload the input and it sounds really, really nasty. Okay. Um, the octave down, like you can turn into a really dirty octave thing. So I do. I'm not going to pass judgment on that one just yet. But when I got it and saw it was mono, I was like, ah, oh, I, <laughs> I wanted to have ADA dual detune. So that was the letdown there. And that's find another one. It's purely, well, exactly. You know, like people with two rolling SDEs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of rack space for, for a stereo delay. Uh, but yeah, that one, I'm going to look at this rack because there might be a few other things in there which were, you know what? Another one, the Kitty Hawk Quattro. Oh, yeah. It was good. But it was, I expected it to be great because, um, yep. you know, re- again, Red Beach used one for a while. But, you know, those interviews came out later where he was like, yeah, we used to call that the shitty hawk because they just <laughs> were immediately. And he's like, and I went back to using Marshalls anyway, so whatever. So, yeah, that was one where, you know, it, it, it look, there's the PD Rockmaster, there's the Kitty Hawk Quattro, and there is the Lee Jackson GP100, GP1000, whatever it is. The perfect connection. I really still want to get a Lee Jackson. Um, yep. One of the mods on my Discord bought, got a GP uh, recently, and I was like, bro, if you don't like it, I will buy it off you, like, no matter what. I just want to try one. I want to have it in the rack. Um, so, yeah, that that definitely kind of comes to mind where, you know, again, it's in that sort of nowhere land where it's not a super hot-rotted Marshall thing. It's not like a mess of thing. I don't know. It's it's you can definitely get some cool sounds out of it. Um, the other one is uh, and look, I haven't tried the real thing, but I remember not long after I got an AX8, I went, "This is it. I'm going to use the Bogner Fish model." Oh yeah, yeah, and did not like it at all. Still not super into it. And then subsequently, every clip that I've watched of someone using a fish. Um, Eh, it's not my favorite sound. Like, I know Michael Nielsen has one or had one and has done some clips yeah. with it. And, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you know, 
you got something on and I'd be like, oh, whatever he's using at the moment's not my favorite thing. Yep. Um, and he'd flick to like the Soldano X88 or any other preamp and I'd be like, yeah, that sounds sick. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, that's one that I haven't had hands on with. Uh, another one would be the, uh, it's in the Synergy stuff. I didn't love the Friedman modules. Um, yep. <laughs> I thought they would be the bee's knees. For me, the I liked the, for the just rock and roll Hot Rod Marshall thing, I, I think the Deliverance is the one. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the all-rounder gigging module, which I know you've got one. I thought the BE would be it. Uh, having subsequently played a, a real Freeman BE, kind of the same thing where it's awesome. It's like, it's such a sound, but it's just a little bit smoother and a little less kind of, you know, we were talking a, a little while ago about your Marshall JMP, which just has this like, what, like two to four K, there's all this like, nasty energy in there with it yeah uh, it just it's like they kind of filtered a bit of that out so it's lacking like a little bit of the scuzz that i like from a marshall style thing mm-hmm. it's the straight up synergy brick 800 module i liked a lot more for it so yeah not that it's bad it's just not again not for me and i i think it's actually a sound a lot of people would love yeah it's it's so interesting with that because the um i use the uh the the be in a lot of digital modeling that i've like the the pedals or whatever, so yeah, AX8 that was the my main sound for ages. It just it just did it did it for me, and it mostly comes off the back of everybody raving about Friedman, not yeah, not so much just like no. trying everything in the thing because you know with the fractal there's just a million things to try. Unless your uncle Leon over here that has gone through every model several times, but yeah, the um <laughs> the main uh, well okay, so apart from using it in the AX8. Before I got the AX8, I was actually using the plugin, the UAD plugin. Oh, the one Brainworks make. Yeah, and yep. um, that's really, good. it's good, but it's exactly what you're describing with the actual amp and that smoothness. Where I struggled sometimes. I th- I thought I would get so much more, like, just I a guess. Chunk. Well, not it's not even the chunk. It's just like the uh, the top end out of it. I just thought the top end would be a little bit more open, and it's not. But it does. Like once you get used to playing it, because I use that um, that plugin for a, a lot of stuff in about 2016, 2017. I was using it for a lot of demos um, and I loved the sound. I got some really cool sounds out of it. So it's almost like I just had to get used to playing with that tone. And once I did, it was like, sweet, we're fine. Like we're all G. I think in the Fractal, for whatever reason, I get a little bit more top end and a little bit more clarity out of it. So I, I sort of yeah, like right. that more. Um, I remember uh, watching a video with Dave actually from that or back then when he talks about it might just been when the plugin had just come out and he's like man this sounds like my, my amp this is like 99% what it is um and i took that as being um true i'm which i'm not i'm sure he's not lying about that um so yeah i mean that's just how it's voiced and that's completely fine i i still would like one of those amps i'd really like to have a play with okay. one because um actually when it really came onto my radar was uh, I think Mastodon were using using them for a while. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Bill had a signature. Oh, well, yeah, he does. Yeah, you know. And um, I think it was on Once More Around the Sun, like maybe that album. Yeah, I very much like that album as well. Yeah, and I was kind of like, because I think that was um, I was using, I was listening to that album a lot before we did one of the Ragdoll albums, and I was like, oh man, that's just the perfect guitar sound. I wish I could get that. Although I also think that was a lot of just eight hundred. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, I think that's what I like. They have good 800s that they use um 
Yeah, and you know, doing the Zen amps thing, that was my exact thing. It's like you play the Freeman and it's like, whoa, but then you listen to it next to an old uh, Plexi or something, you're like, okay, the Plexi is like this in terms of like the sonic spectrum and then the Friedman is like kind of this, yep. uh, which is a sensible thing. Um, it The master volume on it's really, really good. Um, and then, you know, you have like the Phil X Friedman, which is basically a B with sort of like that other stuff put back in, yep. uh, slightly less gain, uh, which I know a lot of people love that particular amp. So, yeah, that's 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 kind of interesting. Um, in terms of um, amp, oh, actually, sorry, I'll just say, because you mentioned um, the Bogner Fish, and I'll, I just want to, you, you reminded me, um, in the Fractal, because there's like a lot of amps that I could go through in that that I've tried and liked or not liked, but probably the one that I um, really, 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 really thought I would love when I got my Ultra, so this is a long time ago, is I really tried to make the CAE one work for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. Red Beach was for like- me, for me, that was operator error because I didn't understand how the EQ worked. Okay. How does the EQ work in that then? Is that- uh, So, it's like an active EQ. So, more like a studio EQ sort of thing rather yeah, than- Yeah, a- so it's like in the middle is zero and then it's tracked and it's add. So, it's actually a pretty cool one for, for lead sounds, but yeah, you try dialing in like a Marshall and it doesn't sound doesn't like work, a Marshall. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. that would be an interesting. I'd, I'd still like to try one of the real CE preamps because uh, a lot of people swear by them, you know. Um, there's some, there's heaps of rack gear which I've tried where I was like, yeah, this will be great, but oh, no man, thanks. I think the list of rack gear is just is so enormous. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, I could tell you about the Rocktron XT, XDC. Oh, uh, yeah, or the Gainiac. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's just so many. I mean, there's quite a bit of Rocktron stuff because the Intel effects is amazing. And Intel the Rep very cool. is very good. Uh, so I think they were my first two Rocktron units that I tried. So I was like, well, I'm going to love everything that Rocktron do. Um, the Piranha preamp's pretty good. That's mm-hmm. got some good features on it. Uh, they've also got a lot of stuff where you're just like, why did you put this out? This is... Well, the Hush is really good. I like yeah, really yeah. Good noise reduction. Classic. Heaps of people use that. Um, I had their compressor for a while. Um, it was like a one-rack unit. ProGap? Uh, or, no, I don't think it was that. Maybe a different one. I don't think it's called. Really dig the Pro Gap as like an alternative to a DBX or something. Yeah, and that's maybe that's what it's called. It was um, it was a long time ago. That was probably two thousand and nine, two thousand and eight. What I liked about it is it had a hush built into it as well, so it was just something I, I could use to eliminate the hush really from the clever. rap. Yeah, which actually I I saw my old Rocktron hush come up for sale recently. And it still had the stickers on it that I put on there really? in 2006. Yeah, really funny. Um, but Speaking of which, do you remember, of course you remember this, but there was a cash converters uh, that had a Jackson Guitars preamp. Oh, man, yeah. Preamp? It was... So I would love to know what that sounded like. Yeah, man, that was the Inglewood cash converters, which is no longer there anymore, unfortunately. Uh, and it was there for years, years and years and years and years and years. Um, I really, like... I think it was a preamp, maybe even a power amp. Yeah, um, right. And then at one point, maybe the preamp sold and the power amp was still there, but never bothered to plug it in. Um, actually, funnily enough, the the thing that I always wanted to get was the the art. Um, was it the SG SGX two thousand? Yeah, they had one at the uh, the Cashies in uh, Osborne Park. Wow, you, remember, I, you may may or may not have been with me, but they had it there for years, like so long, and. I was just waiting for it. The same place that had the um, power break that we talked about the other week. Yep. Yep. And I was just waiting to get it, uh, like to try and get it for 
half of what they had listed for because they wanted something like 400 bucks for it and yeah, like, good luck yeah. so yeah. but i thought oh maybe 150 bucks i could probably part with it for for that which is why i've still got this real soft spot for the, the art units because i think they just look so cool they're they so like the so yeah it's so of its time but um yeah the, do, you, um, do you still have those uh, i've got the power plant yeah that's actually the only one that i've tried and again the okayest preamp ever um yep. it's solid state preamp and you can kind of like you use it as a glorified distortion pedal into something you can kind of get like a dime bag sort of sound out of it which oh, yeah. is pretty fun um that sort of stuff often if you explore the extremes you can you can get some cool stuff out of that so like i mean like the hm2 like the metal zone like the valve states you know and they they can be set up to do some pretty extreme stuff which is pretty appropriate um yep. There's actually, I don't know if you've watched it yet, but there's a Plague Side Studios video on the original Valve States. Uh, it's, oh, I saw you know, it come up, but I didn't 45, watch it. 45, 50 minutes, but he goes through all the bands that use them and like pulls the sounds and goes into like speaker choice and mic choice. And that's cool. Really impressive. Like um, some of the, like the Chuck Schuldiner tone recreations are just spot on. It's like listening to the record. It's. And you sort of hear it and you're like, actually, yeah, that's a pretty cool, unique sound. Yep. Um, so that's, for anybody listening at home, that's a really, really good one. Um, the other one that I will throw out, the last one, is the Marshall TSL 100. Um, oh, yeah. Actually, an app that uh, when I started playing guitar, my dad bought one uh, lit from a literal fire sale, like Cosmic had a fire. That's right, I remember that. Damage, so he picked up a TSL 100 pretty cheap. Um, and... You know, because it was a three-channel Marshall, and I didn't know any better. It was like I would play through that amp all the time. And then when I started doing gear demo videos, I pulled it out. And I was like, ah, oh, the TSL, you know, gigged a DSL for ages. Surely I'm going to love this. And again, I have pulled it out multiple times. Like I do this yearly where I'm like, okay, every time I do this, I kind of get disappointed by it. It doesn't live up to my expectations of it. I try everything. I try different speakers, different guitars, boost, extreme EQ settings. I just don't love that amp. That is it. Like, I love the JCM 2000 DSL, one of the best amps Marshall ever made. The TSL, for me, I don't get on with it. It's a massive disappointment. What is it about that amp that you don't... That What's so different about the DSL? Because I've never really tried them back to back. Yeah, I... You know, to me... You know that, like, just playing <laughs> playing a proper Marshall Troy, you know, like playing a good old Plexi or a JMP or a 2203 or something, a good one. Um, there is all the things that come associated with Marshalls where it's like they sit in the mix great. They're really fun to play. They make me want to play ACDC songs, basically. Yep. Um, there's this, like, real immediate attack. You plug a... Les Paul in, and it's a thing. You plug a Strat in, and it makes you want to be Rich, Richie Blackmore. It's totally a vibe thing for me. Like, yep. that is, that's pretty much it. Like, do I want to play ACDC on a Les Paul, and do I want to play Rainbow Songs on a Strat? <laughs> uh, and I don't get that from the TSL. I, I just I just don't get that vibe at all. Right. Um, the clean channel is okay and kind of fendery. Um, not a bad clean channel by any measure. Um, the crunch channel, again, is, like, okay, but it is just, like, a little... Um, the attack softer or something like that. Um, and then the lead channel has, a, again, a lot of gain, but maybe not the right amount of filtering. So, right, okay. yeah. And then, like, finally trying a JVM properly, like the 410, that's what I wanted the TSL to be because that thing, 
on the dirty channels can get do the like high gain 5150 kind of thing. Yep. It's really chunky. It feels really, really good. Um, and the Satriani version has like a JCM 800 style crunch channel. So yeah, it's, you know, I feel like the DSL just has like, it's just got enough there for you to get the right sounds, but not too much. Whereas a TSL almost has like too many options on it. Yeah, um, okay. yeah I, I was going to say another amp, which I've tried a few times, but I think you have more experience with this, the Nomad, the Boogie. Oh yeah. The, I guess we've sort of mentioned that before, but it's just, it should be awesome, but it just doesn't really sound the way I want an amp to sound. Um, yeah. So the formula preamp was a bit like that as well, where oh, yeah. you know, it suffered from basically not being a Mark series design. Um, had its own thing going on. I didn't love it. Is that what the, because they made the F50s and stuff, right? Yeah, it might be the similar sort of generation of those like F50 Nomad. Because um, I, know, I know some people that like froth those, like that's their sound. You know what I mean? Like they love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really know how the Nomad fits into all that in the uh, hierarchy of messes. I just know that I really struggle with it, but it, it's kind of like anything now because uh, I got rid of that amp in, I think, 2018. So what I know now and how I would dial in an amp is yeah, it, it could just be operator error. But the I heaviness think- of it made it really- <laughs> um, unattractive to move around yeah i mean the, the thing is like I, I don't think i've sold that many amps i've been um like trying to think about that even over the, the course of the conversation because i got rid of that i got rid of my 900 but the 900 was never really i wouldn't say it was anything that i i expected it would yeah like, yeah it it, it, there's nothing about it that was like oh this is going to change my life apart from the fact it was a valve head and i really wanted to have a valve like head <laughs> um the yeah, the Nomad I thought would solve some problems because it was a, a more, well, yeah, funnily enough, I thought it was a more portable amp, but it just wasn't because of the weight. Yeah. Um, and then I, I had an AVT as well, but I don't want to put that at AVT 100 because I don't want to put that in the category because that was you my- You don't come in with big expectations. Well, what are you, when you're 16, man, and you need an amp, like there's, same as like my Zoom 606, like it was the coolest thing in the world uh, yeah, when I was 15. Uh, if oh, I mean like the 707 I had, like that made me want to keep playing guitars. So yeah. even though objectively it might not be great, uh, it filled it fulfilled its purpose. Yeah. So I think across like all of this, there's clearly a few things which are like, you know, they are difficult to use. Yeah. Uh, some which aren't. It's a case of wrong place, wrong time. Um, a few which are operator error, and a few which are just like, you know, they're not they're not really. You're just kind of. You're not, you don't really know what you want. You yeah. think you want something, but then luckily you try the thing and you figure out it's like, ah, oh, it, it's not a, it's not a rat or it's not a, you know, Dodd 250 or it's not yeah. a Marshall TSL. I should actually just try something totally different because this idea that I have in my head of like my favorite player uses it or it's super versatile or I can solve all these problems in my rig. I think the biggest one for me is, oh, this will let me do so much more stuff. Yeah. You know, this piece of gear will let me switch between all these sounds and then, you know, I need three sounds. And that's well, that's it, man. I mean, like, I'll just, I'll add one more thing into this conversation. Uh, I, I'm almost every time I just decide to upgrade something like a guitar, <laughs> like I'm going to put new pickups in this or I'm going to change the, oh, yeah, actually, like the hardware on it. Okay. It's like the difference it actually makes is really not worth the amount of time I 
spend thinking about it and obsessing about it. Like yeah. my list, Paul has had a lot of upgrades over the sort of almost 10 years I've had it, like new bridge, new pickups, new pickups, like a switch, new machine heads, as well as being refretted and, you know, nut and all that sort of stuff change. Now, like refretting it made a huge difference. Yeah. Um, but it's like when I, I put a new bridge on it because the bridge that was on there had a bit of a like a dip in it. Yeah, um, right. Because like, it, it got a bit bashed up. A little bit busted. Yeah, so it sort of it needed to be replaced because of the the damage it had to it. But I put like a Tone Pros one on there. It doesn't I can't tell you it sounds any fucking different. Like it's just it needed to be replaced because and the same as a pickup selector, it needed to be replaced yeah, yeah. because it was broken. But no, I've got Tone Pros bridge and tailpiece on my Les Paul because I got sick of them falling off when I changed the string. Well, there you go. That solves a problem. That's literally but literally it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not like, like, oh, well, it sounds so much better. It's just like, well, that's convenient. I'll do that. Same as locking tuners for me. I just like them. Um, oh, the convenience of them is, is good, yeah. Um, but then it's like, you know, the when I was having all the issues with the um, Sir and the Sustain, I thought maybe I'll get one of those big block things and that'll change my life. And I thought about it, but it just seemed like such a ball ache to take the whole Floyd apart just to put the thing on. And like, I just didn't want to deal with... Actually, the, the, the biggest turnoff was it like trying to intonate the Floyd... Um, ha- after disassembling it, felt like it was going to be too much of a pain in the ass, so I just didn't worry right. about it. Uh, and, you know, blocking it sort of saved it. I mean, I, I told you, I, the Tremolo and the uh, Drop D tuner, like the Tremolo just didn't hold and the Drop D tuner got in the way a little bit. And so I was just like, fuck this, I'm just going to take it off. But I've like, you know, I've changed pickups in guitars so much. Um, my uh, Warmoth Strat has had so many different pickups oh, yeah. in it, singles in it. And it's like, it just sounds different. Like, I think I get sucked into this idea of I'll get this pickup and then fix the guitar. Yeah. But it's almost like, you know, there's like a puzzle with one missing piece and then that's all that you need to fit in there. And I have, it's like when I mix, uh, uh, mix songs, sometimes I'll like slap a compressor on or an EQ and like everything kind of just gets to that place where it all works and it does the thing that I want it to sound like. But I haven't really had that same experience with guitar because you sort of you're playing like as you're playing it, you can alter the way you attack the guitar, yeah. um, or you know the way you phrase something. Like there's so mu- many other components. It's a very complex system. So the idea that just like making a slight incremental change is going to re- result in the same incremental change in output isn't isn't accurate. It's like yeah. it's, it's non-linear system. Well, um, I th- I feel like for me at least with all the guitar gear, um, the biggest adjustment. The biggest thing I could do is just like practice more. Yes, but that's, that that's really. Guitar. Remember when we ha- were doing that session where my Les Paul wouldn't hold tune? Oh, yeah. And then <laughs> I just checked the intonation a couple of weeks later and I was like, ah, oh, I've never intoned this guitar. And then I did it and it stays in tune better. Man, um, we, that was the song. We had to drop in every you. eight bars, I think. Yeah, break yeah. it every eight bars. Yeah. This guitar sounded awesome. I also remember we, we like, I think we tracked. 10 rhythm tracks on that song because that was what I was doing. I thought that was what you were supposed yeah. to do. Any Anytime I, if I ever go back to any point in my life and think, uh, you know, this is what I was supposed to do, it's always the wrong thing. But yeah, yeah it was like stereo pair of the Les Pauls through like one amp, probably through that, through a different amp. And then we maybe use some different guitars as well. What guitar did we, didn't we use a lot like- Jeff X Strat, bro. Was that what it was? Yep, that's on break you. Uh, Jeff X Strat and the Jet City, and then it was Les Paul and DSL, or the other st- way around. Didn't you have a warm with guitar with a rosewood neck? Yep. 
Did we use? The, I feel like we used that a lot on that album. Uh, did we? I can't I, really remember. No, we I, rec- I thought we did because we tried a lot of guitars, and that was like a pretty, like thick sounding. Or maybe it wasn't. It was a really. Th- it had Fralins in it. It was a really thick sounding Strat. Yeah. Um, anyway, the body for that has become the body for my YJM. Oh, okay, right. So there's. I saw the neck and the electronics somewhere. I should put them in something. Troy, mate, I'm feeling another parts cast to come. <laughs> maybe we should do an episode about parts casts. Yeah, we could. Do. I've got a couple of those. But yeah, the um, I, I think like. Or yeah, so just to, on the breaky thing, it was like a lot, of, way too many guitars. And what I do remember at the very end is deciding to track another layer for some reason, and we used your we used your Makati, and it sounded almost identical to the the Les Paul. Yes. And yeah, I'm yeah, just thinking like, fuck, it sounds better. like yeah, it's say it's way more in tune. It sounds almost the same. Like, yeah, right. we've just done that. Yeah. Um, so you live and you learn, mate. Mate, bringing back some memories from ten years ago. Yeah. So anyway, like that. That's my last thing. Uh, just to say that I, I probably just need to practice more, and I probably could adjust, like, just me and my attitude, my bad attitude, and that's really the biggest issue of all. Um, so I mean, but that's that's kind of like with uh, 10, 15, 20 years of perspective on on guitar and gear and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I just don't really give a shit man. anymore. It's um, I can usually get what I want, but it's taking a while. So, mate, just B minus is good enough, mate. I'm gonna at least shoot for a B, not a B plus, just a B. Yep, shoot just, for a B. But you know, if you get a B minus, well, you still pass. Mum's still gonna be happy with a B minus. Exactly. You're and s- at the end of the day, <laughs> that's all that matters, mate. Alrighty, I think that is us for today, Troy. Any uh, closing words for the wonderful people of the internet? Oh, mate, I, I just can't wait for all of the complaints from Leon's YouTube channel about spamming uploading a bunch of episodes at once like yeah. it's the biggest problem so like I thought I would just be able to have them unlisted and then make them live and that would be fine and they wouldn't all that was the plan and then it must have pushed it to everybody's feed so anyone on YouTube who uh, you know complained that I uploaded nine or ten videos at once, you can stick it because it's all free <laughs> content and you don't have to watch it. And if you want to unsubscribe, that's totally fine. You know, uh, it's not an airport. You don't have to announce your departure. Uh, I get that that would be super annoying. I would probably unsubscribe to me if I did that as well. But at the same time, just hang in there because it'll only be one a week from now on. And again, if you don't like it, you can just shuffle on by. If you do like it, though, uh, be sure to tell somebody about it um, because... For everybody who's been tuning in, uh, yeah, we've been loving doing these and we're loving the feedback. Uh, write to us on Instagram if you have questions for next week as well. Yeah. Do uh, we have any questions? Like Did you see any questions in the last week? I don't think we... I didn't... Not that I can Instagram. remember. Um, there were a few people, because I uploaded the podcast to YouTube, who had a weren't aware of the podcast who were really digging it. So, shout out to everybody who's checked it out. And hopefully, this screen capture that I've made, Troy, will work and I can upload the video for this episode as Bloody well. Bloody ripper dipper, mate. You can see where we're recording from. I mean, you'll, you've seen Leon's background for five years now, so you kind of know what that is. You can see the, the rear of my studio, which is a little bit messy. The orange cab in the background there. Mostly Same centered, time. though. That's okay. Mostly centered. It's looking pretty good, mate. All righty. Hopefully, we can do this every week. Good on you, mate. All right. Well, I'll uh, see you then, eh? Peace out, Peace everyone. Out. Bye.